0: Coming back for summer camp, a lot of y'all went with us up at YMCAS's Park. We had, yeah, come on, it was a great time. Uh, But while we were there, uh, the whole week centered on God working in some pretty unexpected ways. Uh, And the underlying theme there was that uh, Jesus is our anchor of hope, right? Even in the most difficult circumstances, Jesus is that anchor of hope that we can hold to and cling to. Right? Even when we find ourselves in some of the darkest places of life, the, some of the worst suffering, right? We know that God is working in our life and we can cling to, to Jesus as our hope. And I, I don't know about you, uh, but there are, have definitely been times in my life where I have experienced difficulty and suffering. In some ways, I think we experience this currently, right? I think we all. Uh, throughout our lives, endure suffering and experience these different difficulties throughout our life. And so we need this hope. And we need to know, hey, when we face these moments of suffering, what do we do? When we're feeling hopeless, what do we do? How do we respond? How do we seek God? Uh, I want you to do something for me real quick. We, we did this at camp, but I, I want to do this all together again. I want you to bow your heads real quick. I want you to close your eyes. And I just want you to listen to this real quick. Uh, Again, we all have been in places, most likely, where we have felt like we've had no hope. And so if that is you, if you're someone who you currently feel like you have no hope, with everyone's eyes closed, everyone's head bowed, I just want you to raise your hand if you currently feel like you have no hope. If you're currently in a place in your life where you feel like you have no hope, no one's one's looking, everyone's heads are bowed, there's no pressure, no one's going to know. Now, keeping those hands up, if you have ever felt hopeless before in your life, I want you to raise your hand as well. Yeah, that's what I thought. All right, hands down, you can look back up. Most every single person in the room had their hand up. This is something that we all face, right? We all face moments of difficulty, suffering, hopelessness, these these feelings where we just, we ask God, what is going on? What's the point? Uh, And just tell ourselves, man, I just don't feel like I have any hope. And so if we're all going to likely experience this or have all experienced this at some point in our life, I think this is something that we need to ask ourselves, how does scripture teach us to walk through suffering? How does God teach us to cling on to hope and look to him when life gets tough? Right at camp, we we talked about how Jesus is that hope, but how do we look to Jesus? What are the things that we should do when we find ourselves in suffering? And there's this, I think it's a really crazy book in the Bible. It's the book of Job. Uh, the book of Job is right after, it's about midway through the Old Testament. It's right after the book of Esther. Uh, but even though it's midway through the Old Testament, it's actually taking place very early on uh, in, in history. Right? It's happening right after the Garden of Eden. It's happening before Abraham. right? If you flipped open to the first couple pages of Genesis, about Genesis 11-ish, you would find, you would be in about the time frame that Job is actually taking place. It's because we characterize our Bible and order it not based on dates but on genre. Uh, And so Job uh, is a guy. He's a very faithful guy to Jesus, or not Jesus, God, excuse me. Jesus hadn't come yet. Uh, He's a very faithful uh, believer of God. And God, in return for Job's faithfulness, he's, I mean, just in some crazy ways, blessed Job. Job has no worries about money, he's got a great family. He's well provided for, great house, got everything he could ever ask for. Uh, and so in the book of Job, very early on, in the first couple chapters, we, we see this dialogue, this conversation happening between God and Satan, right? It's a very real conversation where Satan comes to God uh, in Job chapter 1, verses 8 through 11, and essentially Satan comes and he challenges God. And he says, You know what? Your servant Job, the guy that you say loves you, the, the guy that says he loves you and is super faithful to you, you know what? He's only faithful to you. He only loves you because you give him a lot of stuff, because you give him a lot of blessings. And I guarantee you, God, if you would take away all of his blessings, he would hate you. He would curse you. He would, he would turn his back to you. And, and so what we see unfold there in the first chapter is that Satan takes away his home, takes away all of his property, and even kills his family, right? All of his kids. The only person in his family left is his wife. And and what we see happening is Job in the midst of some crazy suffering, right? We would all say that is like the worst suffering you could probably experience. Job remains faithful to God. That's chapter one. It gets worse in chapter two, right? All of this has happened, Job doesn't deny God, he remains faithful, and Satan comes back to God. He goes, "Okay. Let me tell you something, God. All right, yeah, we took away all of his possessions, but let me tell you what it really hurt him. He would really deny you if I hurt him." Right? And so, let's look at Job chapter 2 verses 3 through 5. And we're going to see what Satan does directly to Job. Right? If if taking away his family and all of his possessions weren't enough, Satan attacks Job Personally, here's what it says. Job chapter two, verses three through five. It's on your notes. It's on the screen. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. And he has maintained his integrity, even though you urged me to harm him without cause. All right, so we're getting into this where where God is telling him, look, he's a man of complete integrity integrity. As we move down into verse 4, Satan replies to the Lord, skin for skin, a man will give up everything to save his own life, but reach out and take away his health, and he will surely curse you to your face. God says, all right, do with him as you please, the Lord said to Satan, but spare his life. So Satan left the Lord's presence, and he struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. And it was so bad that Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among a heap of ashes. All right, so so this dialogue with Satan and God is happening. And, and Satan says, Look, if you will hurt his health, right, we've taken away his blessings, we've taken away his property, taken away his kids. If you'll hurt him personally, remove his health. He'll curse your name. And so what we see is Satan goes and he he essentially, like, if, you, if you've ever gotten a blister and, like, the skin comes off and it's, like, super raw or you get, like, a carpet burn and it's just, like, raw skin right there, imagine your whole body just be cov- being covered in that. And you know, like, that feeling when you get in the shower and the water hits it and it, like, just, like, stings and it feels like a bunch of needles going into your skin? That is what's happening to Job. Job is, like, a, a full body of these open sores. Right? He is just in immense pain. It's so bad that it says that he's sitting there with like a piece of broken pottery just trying to scrape it off because it hurts so bad. But here's the thing: is Job never blames God. He had every reason to blame God and say, "God, why are you putting me in this situation? Why are you allowing me?" to endure the suffering, experience the suffering. But Job doesn't deny God. Job continues to keep his focus on God, continues to be faithful to God and love God. And as we'll see later, it's something really crazy. He even thanks God. He says, God, I thank you. I give you thanks. And I would like to think that I could be like Job. But unfortunately, I, when we face suffering, I don't think we tend to respond like Job. I don't think that when we are in difficult situations, probably situations that are nothing like this, I don't think our response and difficulty and suffering is to, to focus on God and lean into God and continue to just say, thank you, God, for my life. Uh, I think there are three things that we'll talk about tonight that when we face suffering, we tend to do. And we're gonna see how we do these things. And then we're gonna ask ourselves, why didn't Job do this? So, the first thing that I think that we do, if you're taking notes, three things that we do in our suffering. The first thing that I, I think we do in our suffering is we blame God. We blame God. And that's just the truth, right? We're, we're really quick when things are going great to say, thank you, God, right? Well, if you've ever watched a football game, right? Someone scores a touchdown, they'll, they'll do like the pointing up thing, right? But if you ever watch like a quarterback throw an interception, does he point up to God and like give thanks to God? No, you, like we're really good to give thanks to God in the bad situations, but in the, in the bad situations, right? Thank God in the good, but in the bad situations, we turn right back around and we say, God, what's going on, man? Dude, why are you doing this? Why why are you causing me to experience this? Why why would you let me go through this? Why are you letting this happen in my life? Right? We're, I think, even quicker to blame God for for the bad things that are happening in our life. But again, as we look at the way that Job responds, it's really amazing because we see that in his suffering, Job blesses God. Right? Look Look at the. At your notes, Job 1, 21 through 22. And this is the message translation. I just really like how it says it here. Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I will return to the womb of the earth. God gives, God takes. Catch this. God's name be ever blessed. God's name be ever blessed. This is, this is right after his whole family has been taken away from him. His house has been taken away. His his livelihood, his whole life has been destroyed right in front of his eyes. And this is what he says, God's name be ever blessed. And it says, not once through all of this did Job sin. Catch this, not once did he blame God. Not once. It doesn't say he's sitting there going, yeah, you know, God might be to blame for this. No, it says not once did he blame God for what is happening. And I think it's because Job understood something really simple that I think we overlook. I think it's so simple we overlook this. And that is that Job understood the reality of good and evil. Job understood that just as God is good, Satan is evil. Right? We love, and maybe it's on us as a church for for not... Uh, keeping your focus here enough. Maybe we focus too much on the goodness of God. It's a great thing to focus on, but I think we don't focus enough on the fact that there is an enemy out there who hates you. Right? Th- there is Satan who is trying to destroy your life. Right? Just as God is good, Satan is is evil, and Job understood this. Job understood that God is a good God. God is not someone who's going to inflict pain on his. His children, his people, his creation. Job understood that any, any suffering that he was experiencing was a result of sin and Satan, not of God. And, and that's something so simple that I think we just we overlook it all the time, and we immediately we don't even think about Satan being evil. We just go straight to God and say, dude, what's up? And we forget that there is an enemy who wants to destroy us. Let, let, let me read a passage from the book of John, John 10.10. You you may have heard this verse before. It says, the thief's purpose, Satan's purpose, right? Satan's purpose is to what? Steal, kill, destroy. When we look at the life of Job, we see all of this happening. People come and take his, his stuff, his livelihood is destroyed, His kids are killed. Now, Jesus tells us exactly who does that. It's not him. It's not God. It's the thief. It's Satan, right? Those are characteristics of Satan. And so when we look at things happening in our life and we start to see relationships destroyed, families torn apart, suffering in our lives. That's not characteristics of God. That's characteristics of an enemy who wants you to in turn blame God. Right? Job also realized this fact that the creator doesn't destroy. Right? God is a creator. God created you. God created the people in your life. He doesn't want to destroy you. He doesn't want to destroy the people in your lives. He created you. The Creator doesn't bring destruction in your life. Let me ask you a question. Do you realize that? Do you realize that? Do, Do you realize that God wants to bless you? But do you also realize that Satan wants to destroy you? And that Satan loves it when you experience suffering and you don't even think about Him and you go straight to blaming God. Satan loves that. Because what it does is it causes us to doubt the goodness of God when it was never God's fault at all. Or do you realize that you are Job? Right, You are Job. In your life, in the suffering and difficulties that you experience, you are Job. You, you are sitting in the midst of your suffering where God is a good God who wants to bless you, but Satan is an evil enemy who wants to destroy you, and you have a choice. Am I going to keep my focus on God and realize who really the enemy is and put the blame there, or am I going to wrongly blame God for the things in my life? Because Satan looks at you. Satan looks at me and says, you know what? I bet I can get Nathan to deny God if I do this. I bet I can get Nathan to blame God if I do this to him. And he says the same thing for you. I, mean, I bet I can get Carson to deny God or blame God if I do this to him. Or Jack, or, or whoever it is. Right? He says that to you. I bet I can get you to deny and blame God if I do this in your life. And he does it. And too often we find ourselves blaming God. The second thing I think we do in our suffering is, in our suffering, we accuse God of not loving us. And I know for myself, this is something that I have struggled with before personally. Right? I think we have all said something along the lines of, well, if, if God was loving, why did he let you fill in the blank happen? For me, it was, why did he let my parents get divorced? Right? If, if God is a loving God, why do you let that happen? Right? When we are in suffering and difficulty, we say, why is, why is God allowing my life to fall apart? And we accuse God of not loving us because of the suffering that we are experiencing. But I think this kind of falls out of the second one, because we forget that when it comes to the world, God is in charge but he's not always the one in control. Now, that might sound a little crazy. That might sound a little odd, but let, let me explain this to you. God is always in charge. He was always in charge in the book of Job, right? When it came to Satan, he put limitations, right? He said, you cannot take away his life, right? God was in charge, but he wasn't the one con- like controlling every little thing that happened to Job. That was Satan. Satan was making the decisions of what was happening to Job, what was being taken away, what he was experiencing. Let me put it to you another way. Y'all know Pastor Scotty. He's the lead pastor of this church. He is ultimately in charge of every ministry of this church. Ultimately, he's in charge of the high school ministry, the middle school ministry. But then you also have Micah and myself who are in control of each ministry. Ultimately, what Pastor Scotty says goes, but he's not always there calling every shot right? Making every little decision. Now, we have to take a step back and realize, again, that just as God is good, Satan is evil. And when good things happen in our lives, yes, we know that is from God. But when bad things happen in our lives, we have to realize that that's not God. That was not God controlling that situation. That was Satan working. Right? In the the book of Ephesians... Uh, we begin to see some of this uh, making sense and playing out in Ephesians chapter six, verse twelve. This is what we said. This is what it says: For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Guys, you're you're fighting a spiritual war. You are. The suffering you endure is part of a battle that is taking place between God and Satan over you. God wants you to experience eternal life with him, but Satan, Satan's sole goal has nothing to do with you. Right? The whole reason Satan got kicked out of heaven was because he thought he could be God. He thought he could win people over to himself and be greater than God. Right, in Luke 10 18, it says that Satan fell from heaven like a bolt of lightning. He was kicked out of heaven because he was prideful and he thought he could be equal with God. And so, Satan's whole goal is not, has nothing to do with you personally. He doesn't care about you, he cares about himself. He just wants people on his side so that he can go, Hey, God, I got more people over here than you got over there. That's all he cares about. Is how he looks. How many people he wins over. He doesn't care about you, but God does care about you, and God is fighting for you because He cares about your heart. He cares about you as a person, as, as a child of God, someone that was created. Right? He didn't. He doesn't cause our suffering. But from the moment that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, right? We see that Satan has what we call dominion of the earth, right? Satan is at work controlling chaos in the earth, right? Look at the world today. Go look at social media. Like people are going at it. Do you think that's God? Or do you think that's Satan causing chaos? Because I know what it is and it's Satan causing chaos, right? God is a God of peace. Satan creates chaos and turmoil. God is a God of love and Satan creates hatred in people's hearts. And so when we look at the world today, we got to understand who is making these different things happen, right? It's not God. God is a good God, and things that are not good are caused by Satan, all right? Again, with Job, God placed those limitations. God was always in charge, and ultimately, God says that he will end all suffering, right? Right? God is ultimately in charge of everything happening here on earth, and he says, "Hey, I will end suffering once and for all and when that day comes, there will be no, no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering, but until that day comes, we endure suffering. we will continue to experience suffering and it's not because that God doesn't love us, God does love us or God hasn't pulled the plug because He loves you, but he also loves a person that's never heard the gospel before, right? And the moment that God pulls the plug and says, no more suffering, we're done here, anyone who does not know Christ is lost and separated from God forever. And so, hey, God didn't pull the plug before you came to know Christ, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful he didn't end things before I came to know Christ. And if I can experience suffering so that others can experience Christ and come into a relationship. That doesn't mean God doesn't love me. That just means God loves the person that's still waiting to hear the gospel. Right? God is a loving God, so the fact that we endure suffering doesn't negate God's love. God loves you, but it's not all about you. And sometimes we need to hear that, is I'm not the center of God's attention. We are the center of God's attention. We are his creation. I'm not the only person created by God that he loves. You are too. It's not all about us. And people endured suffering so that I could know Christ and you could know Christ. And all that Jesus is asking us to do is to continue to be faithful to him. To realize that he does love you, but he loves the person sitting next to you just as much, and he wants them to know the gospel Equally, when we look at uh Job chapter 2, verse 10, we, we also begin to see some more of this truth. All right? We we begin to see how Job responds here. And just for some context, Job's wife is sitting here saying, Job, just get it over with. Get it over with, just curse God. Right? You're in pain, our our lives have been wrecked and destroyed. Just curse God. All you gotta do is say, God, I hate you once and then we can just ask for forgiveness. That's what she's telling him. Right? It says, he, th- this is Job's response to her. He told her, you're talking like an empty-headed fool. We take the good days from God. Yeah, isn't that kind of mean? Empty-headed fool. We take the good days from God. Why not also the bad days? Why not also the bad days? Not once through all of this did Job sin. He said nothing against God again, when we are in the bad days, what is our response? Do we curse God? Do we blame God? Do we accuse God of not loving us? Or do we realize that just as God is good, Satan is evil, and just as God gives us bad days, Satan is working to make us experience awful days. Now, the third thing that I think we do in our suffering is we abandon God. Right, we, we blame God. We accuse God of not loving us. And the third thing that I think we do is we abandon God. And I know for, for me personally, um, I, I walked through this multiple times, right? And, and for a lot of us, it, it, it this abandoning God, right? We don't just abandon God. We we abandon him because we're guilty of number two where we accuse him of not loving us. We think God doesn't love us, and so we turn our backs to God, right? And it looks like us saying, well, if God was really there for me, right, he, if he really loved me, then he wouldn't have allowed me to go through this. If he really loved me and cared about me, he wouldn't have allowed me to struggle with depression and anxiety for so long. If he really cared about me, then, and was really there for me, he wouldn't have allowed me to hurt myself or he wouldn't have allowed my family to be torn apart or other people to hurt me. If God really cared about me, was really there for me, because it feels like maybe he left me first. We accuse God of not loving us and then in turn, we abandon God. And for me, you know, when I was in middle school, I asked God, God, why would you allow me to experience depression and suicidal thoughts? God, why would you allow that to happen to me? Don't you care about me? Don't you love me? Aren't aren't you there for me? That's the real question I asked God, and in turn, I turned my back to God. And then in in high school, it turned into, God, why, why are you allowing my parents to split apart? Why are you allowing divorce to come through my family and separate us? Don't you love us? Don't you care about us? And I turn my back to God. I abandoned God because I thought that he had abandoned me. And I think that we are all guilty of this at different points in our lives. And what I have come to learn is something that Job understood that I didn't. Job understood that God is always working for good. God is always working for good, even if God is working in the background. Sometimes we can't see how God is working. Sometimes we walk through life and we have no idea how God is working or going to work in a situation. And that's because he's working in the background. Right, You ever go to a play or a musical, and you you see everyone that's on the stage, but you don't see the countless people who are working behind the scenes to make that production happen. And a lot of times, God is working behind the scenes in our lives to bring forth good, and we accuse God of not being there because we can't see how he's working. And Job understood something, that God never left his side. God was always there for Job. The the reason that Job never abandoned God, even when his life became ruins, when his life was awful, is because he knew God was there with him the whole way. He knew that God didn't cause his suffering. And what I came to realize is that God didn't cause my suffering. And just as I was in pain, God felt that pain too. God felt my pain too. And what I have come to see through all the the suffering that I have experienced in my life is I've seen God work some pretty good things in my life. And I had no idea what God was doing. God has worked some pretty amazing things through my parents' divorce. Before my parents got divorced, me and my sister, honestly, hate is probably a strong word, but it was pretty close to it. We did not like each other, did not get along. You could not put my sister and I in the same room. We'd just go at each other. But through my parents' divorce, we had to rely on one another. And now that's one of the greatest relationships in my life, is my relationship with my sister. Something else that's great that doesn't necessarily benefit me at all is the number of you who are walking through those same situations, I I can sit there and listen to what you're experiencing and understand and be able to walk with you. And I wouldn't be able to walk with you through that if I didn't know first what that felt like. And it's awful that you walk through that, but because I've experienced it and God taught me so many things and walked through it with me, I can sit there and walk through it with you. Same thing with the the depression and anxiety and uh, mental health things that I experienced, the suicidal thoughts I experienced. Man, I saw God show up in some pretty amazing ways. And and through that, God brought some pretty awesome people into my life, people that still speak truth to me today. And all of those things are, honestly, like God didn't want me to experience that, but God used my suffering to bring about good in my life. I don't think I would have been in a position to receive wisdom and truth from those people, one of who was my youth pastor. I don't think I would have ever gone and sat on his couch in his office if I wasn't struggling with stuff. But because I was, I went and sought help. And now that is a relationship in my life that continues to be one of wisdom and truth and love. And so what we see is that God never abandons us. God never abandons us. He may be working in the background to begin working good things through our suffering, but he's still there. He's still walking alongside you. You may not see the good yet, but it's coming. If we will realize whose suffering comes from and that it doesn't come from God, if we will realize that God does love us And if we will stop accusing God of abandoning us and realize that God is walking with us every step of the way, we will begin to see God working good in our lives. And and as we read through the entire book of Job, guys, there's a whole book of it, of Job struggling through this, but never taking his focus off of God. If we will keep our focus on God and allow him to work in the background and bring forth that good in our lives, guys, you will see God work some crazy things in your life through the suffering and difficulties that you experience. And Job knew that. Job knew God was always there, that he had never left him, that he was a good God, and that he had great plans for his life. And my challenge to you would be, I know that you experience difficulty in your life, but how are you responding? And I would challenge you to think like Job did, to respond like Job did, to to keep your focus on Jesus. Place the blame where it deserves to be placed. Place it on Satan and realize that God is a good God who only wants good things for your life. But then allow God to begin working in your life and bringing good things into your life through the suffering. It's not easy. It's really hard. And no one likes to experience suffering. No one likes it. And God doesn't want you to. But you will. You will experience difficulty and suffering. And so if we, again, if we will keep our focus on Jesus, you will begin to see incredible things happening in your life that are only a result of your faithfulness to God and his love for you. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this this evening once again. Lord, I know that we all experience times of difficulty, suffering. And Lord, it's really easy in those times to place that blame at your feet. It's really easy to accuse you and then to walk away from you. But God, just as Job kept his focus on you, I pray that you would help us. Remember the promises that you've given us. Remember your goodness and your love that you have for us. God, I pray that you would help us to keep our focus on you and to trust you, to trust that you're a good God, And to remember that you're not the source of our suffering. That's somebody else. And remind us that if we will just keep placing our faith and our hope and our trust in you, you're going to get us through it. You did it for Job. You walked him through his suffering. And God, you blessed him for his faithfulness. So God, I pray for these students. I know their struggles are real. They're hard. And so I pray that you would just walk alongside them. Help them to know that you're there. Help them to keep their eyes on you. And God, begin to show them the good that you're going to bring through the difficult circumstances. So God, as we continue to worship you tonight, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, speak to us, move in us. Help us to just see you at work in our lives. It's your name we pray. Amen.